0: I just started listening to uh, Scott Hahn's new series on the Bible and the Mass. Have you come across that one? No. He's put it out for free during Lent. So oh, they're right. streaming it on the St. Paul Center. Mm. Mm. 10 part series.
1: Awesome. Mm. Yeah, it's even better than listening to it.
0: Celebrating it. We
1: well, hear yeah, that too. I thought if you listen to it, then we could just like interview you and. <laughs>
0: And I'll give the uh, really condensed version. like you know, um, if, we had a, if if only
1: we had a platform to uh, ask you questions.
0: So, you know, the mass is good and stuff. And that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all biblical-like.
2: Hello and welcome to Sons of Thunder, the podcast that sounds a heck of a lot better than it looks. Marty, though, you've made some effort today. It's a beautiful T-shirt.
1: Um, I made a haircut too. Oh, well done. Uh, You're
2: looking very, everything's, my goodness, he's wearing, ladies and gentlemen, Marty is wearing a grey t-shirt, grey earphones, has grey hair, and today he's sporting a grey beard and that looks like a grey pen in your hand. How you feeling, Marty?
1: Uh, the grey man. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, good, good, good. I feel, you know, I feel younger than I look.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to just quickly explain to everyone what that t-shirt is? It's yeah, yours, I printed a it? T-shirt
1: with the, um, you know, the back of the Miraculous Medal, with the little imprint of the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart, and an M with the cross over it and the twelve stars. If you look on the back of a Miraculous Medal, that image, I print on the front of a T-shirt. I actually print on the front of two because they're cheaper if you buy them in twos. But um, yeah, I think it's awesome. Beautiful,
3: nice.
2: Father Dave is joining us from Darwin in the far north of Australia. Dad and I were looking at the weather forecast last night, looking at the weather maps, and it looked like for Darwin it was rain, rain, continuous rain.
0: Well, it's actually not been too bad compared to what we did get. Like a couple of weeks ago, we got half a metre of rain in the space of about a week and a half. That was <laughs> consistent rain. Oh, so, so that's rain? That's rain, Right. This is just like the occasional storm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was quite an amazing week. You know, there was a few times I had to go and, well, I, I pretty much gave up on the idea of wearing sandals because uh, sandals are useless when it rains that much. I thought you always wore sandals. Yeah. But, what do
1: you do if you could, do you have to go bare feet or bare, you bare bare put feet. shoes on?
0: No, bare feet. Because like when oh, wow. walking through the back garden, it was like ankle deep water. Um, <laughs> I had to do a funeral at the cemetery during that week and the funeral's built on like the lowest part of Darwin. So the water table was higher than the graves, basically. <laughs> That's really bad. Yeah. It's a not, bad place to put a cemetery. Well just designed. Saying. So not only was everyone at the funeral standing ankle deep in mud they had to have a water pump on the grave to pump all the water out. Oh, no. So there was, there's nothing kind of sacred and reflective. It was pretty much <laughs> pump the water out, drop the, the coffin, and then bring the truck back and drop the the mud on top so it doesn't float back up. <laughs> it was quite an experience.
2: <laughs> wow. We, get, we gather here today around this Honda pump.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: What's the wording? We give you to the ground or we...
1: The dust, dust under dust, and that stuff.
2: No, we we commend you to the ground. We commend you yeah, to the earth. Commend we you commend to you earth. to the earth. Well, a bit of a bit nonsense, really, if it's water,
0: because <laughs> obviously part of the ceremony is you bless the grave with holy water. And when I turned up, the the funeral director looked at me and said, "I don't think we need any more water today." <laughs> 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 wow, I, I probably could have just blessed. The grave, which was half full of water at that point. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then it
1: could all be holy water.
0: Exactly.
2: And wear, I've got to say, wearing sandals when it's wet is a little bit like trying to ice skate while being seat belted in. You just slip in the sandals and then the everything catches and yeah. awful. Yeah. Mini slips.
0: Yeah. But the wet season is great. I I do enjoy it. It's um, never a dull moment.
3: Hmm. <laughs>
2: Wonderful. And Marty, of course, joining us from Perth in Western Australia. Marty, you've been actually working lately. Uh, Marty's have. in a privileged position of being a consultant and so occasionally just doesn't work.
1: But And at other times get to uh, enjoy the uh, pinnacle of Western civilization, and I go to an office. <laughs>
2: <laughs> How is that going for you? I
1: don't know. Why would you work? Seriously. If you didn't have to, would you? No. Nah.
2: Depend, depends. <laughs> if you, if Father Dave can vouch for this, if you're building a stone chapel and that's counted
1: as work, it's yeah. incredibly cathartic. I'd, I'd love to build a stone chapel. If only anyone I knew who was building a stone chapel had have invited me.
2: <laughs> uh, sorry,
0: it wasn't that much fun, Marty. There was leeches everywhere. It was mud. It was raining. It was. <laughs>
1: That's that's what I say about the office for people who want to come in.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, this particular episode, Father Dave, you have been speaking on the podcast, but then also off the podcast about actually wanting to do this particular podcast for quite some time. And we have finally...
1: Relented. We finally relented.
2: (laughs) (laughs) To the relentlessness. (laughs) We are looking at contemplation, meditation, prayer where we are a little more quiet than we may usually be. And maybe that's why we don't do
0: it all that well. So Father Doe, can you binge a Novena? Can you binge a Novena? (laughs) Practically, yes. Uh, Should you binge a Novena? That's a whole other question. Probably no. (laughs) I I think the whole idea of a Novena being spread over nine days or nine months or nine hours, choose your time scale. It's meant to be the fact that you are creating a habit of prayer. And so if you're trying to binge, that means you obviously failed at some point <laughs> and trying to make up for it.
2: Clearly. Uh, you were just asking for a friend, weren't you, Marty?
0: Yep. A friend of a friend. Yeah. <laughs> who had a dog <laughs> whose auntie didn't. Then
2: <laughs> This is probably the issue, isn't it? And this is probably a big reason why we we do need to, be encouraged in being more contemplative is that we do often think about trying to rush it or just get in the prayer as opposed to perhaps spending thoughtful, silent time with Jesus.
0: Well, yeah, let, let, me, let me explain why I've been very gently suggesting that we should do this episode, not quite as relentlessly as some would suggest, but. Gently, nice. <laughs> I suppose I, I've, I've stepped back into priestly, or not priestly ministry, parish ministry. So for for eight years, I was training novices in the novitiate. And you kind of presume, okay, these guys know nothing. You know, Let's just teach them how to pray.
2: I do like, though, that you say that you were teaching them, whereas one of your other fellow priests says you were killing them. But anyway, yes, continue. Anyway. (laughs) Killing them how to pray.
0: (laughs) I've, I've stepped into parish ministry, and I think I've just realized how you've got so many people who come to Mass faithfully who really don't know how to pray. Yep. When, when you ask them about prayer, they say, oh, yes, I pray the rosary. know yeah, that's good. But it's like that's the extent of their understanding of prayer.
2: And even to that extent, there are those who pray the rosary. There are those who say some words and those who do a race call <laughs> of horses.
0: Yes, always with the uh, most unique way of saying it. It's like going to an auction. It is. <laughs> I remember hearing of a parish where they had the the, the rosary after mass, and it was how Mary, full of grace, Lord, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women, blessed the fruit of thy womb, so Jesus." Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I liked the um. I liked the way the Lucia and Jacinta and can't remember the other dude, Jacinta's brother, Francisco, Francisco at um Fatima, you know, with the sheep and stuff. So they got to say the rosary before lunch. So they'd find somewhere where there was an echo, and just shout out "Hail Mary," and then the echo would come back "Hail Mary," and they'd count that as two Hail Marys, <laughs> and then and they'd just do that again five times, and that's a decade.
0: <laughs> so anyway, getting back to where I was going, <laughs> because we we could tell rosary stories for an hour. Should, um, should
2: should point out though that that was at the beginning, and that they were asked to pray it a little more meditatively. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: And they were little kids. (laughs) (laughs) Like
1: when (laughs) the angel appeared and taught them to pray properly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But in in the church, we've got this glorious tradition of prayer, which most people do not even know about. Or if they do know about it, they write it off as being only for people who have got time and silence in their life. And it's almost like we've accepted immaturity as a church. Like Mm. we've, We've normalized it and we've said, yep. no one can actually mature. So let's not expect them to. And then we wonder why the church is so immature, <laughs> you know, and not growing. Mm. Whereas my theory is like, cause when we talk about meditation, people say, oh, I haven't got time to meditate. My theory is that everyone is already an expert in meditation. You're just meditating on the wrong things.
3: Mm. Mm.
2: Just like today. Whilst I was out on the farm, I found myself meditating a few times on what I would say to a certain person if the certain conditions were right, and I had the chance to say what I wanted to say. And I meditated on that for a long time, then realized I had been praying before that moment.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, there's a good chance you could very well have been meditating on multiple things at the same time while you were meditating on this imaginary argument you could well have also been meditating on what you're going to have for lunch
1: argument i interpreted that completely no i didn't I it was <laughs> <an argument. laughs>
0: but we've got an amazing ability to think about the things that bring us joy the things that are important to us the things, yeah all the things that annoy us you yeah. know mm. and like, like marty if we use you as the example you know
1: why not it's been a winning combination
0: <laughs> as the only married married one in our midst you know i'm sure when you were you know, preparing for marriage, you would have spent a lot of time meditating on your beloved wife.
1: Correct. I still do.
0: <laughs> yeah. No matter how busy you were, you would have been working, studying. Mm. And yet in the midst of that, you still naturally think about the one you love. And the reason you do that is because it increases love. Mm. You know, so you would think back to the last conversation you had or the last time she smiled at you or said something that you know, made you think deeply about something. And every time you think about that memory, you're actually going deeper into an understanding of who she is. And smiling. And smiling. It brings you joy. Mm. And so really the art of meditation is not about trying to learn some great method or technique. It's just about choosing to think about God and the way God loves you. It sounds,
2: sounds very Saint Rose of Lazio.
0: Well, yeah. She was very good at this. Mm. She reached the highest point of contemplation by the age of 24. So she must have been doing pretty well. Hmm. He
2: rendeth the lesson.
1: All right. Yeah. It's been well, great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what you have done just there, Father Dave, is produce some silent meditation on what you've just said.
0: <laughs> hmm. Yes. But yeah, like if, if, if you want to talk about Therese Lazier, that, that'll keep me going for a while. You know, so, so the, the Carmelite tradition is probably the best way of understanding this whole journey of prayer. Um, so, so Therese was a Carmelite. She was sourcing her understanding from Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, and many other great holy Carmelites. They, they're they very much on this idea that our relationship with God is a love relationship, and it pretty much follows the same pattern as a marriage. Like I remember we, we had this holy Carmelite give, give a retreat for us years ago, and he used the example of a young man meets this young girl on a train one morning, you know, and they talk about the weather and then the next day they find they're on the same train again and they talk about the football and it's it's talking about stuff initially. But then gradually as they find themselves intentionally catching the same train, they start to try and find about each other's history because they they no longer want to just talk about things. They want to understand them. In a sense, you go from that stage of vocal prayer where you're telling God about your day to you start to get into that stage of meditation where you're trying to understand who Jesus is, Why are you? you know? And so as you read the scriptures, you're not just trying to understand the moral of the story. You're trying to understand the heart of the man behind it. And so you're actually looking at what Jesus does, how he acts. You know, I remember one of our, our priests, you know, he would always talk about his, his favorite part of the, of the Bible is I think it's in John's gospel where it simply says it was winter and Jesus was walking in the portico of Solomon. And I remember that this was when I first joined the MGLs. And he was saying, you know, he could spend hours meditating on that one line. And I remember thinking, I don't get it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> where's the story? Where's the moral? Where's the teaching? But what he was trying to say was like, he could just meditate on the character of who Jesus was, as, as Marty would meditate on his wife, just the thought of her walking along, you know, like you're trying to understand the heart of the person. Mm. But then if you imagine the marriage goes on until you know 50 years later and this couple are now sitting in a nursing home across from each other in two comfortable chairs and they're not actually saying anything they're just looking at each other because they already know what the other's thinking and they're just kind of lost in the presence of the other person and this mm. Carmelite priest was saying well that's basically what contemplation is you know like you've you've gone through that hard work of the initial chit-chat and small talk. You've then gone through the really hard work of trying to discover the heart of the person until you're just actually sort of immersed in them. And so, yeah, that's basically what the journey of our prayer is meant to be. You're, you're meant to get to that point of knowing Jesus so well that you can just delight in sitting with him constantly, you know, in everything, at every moment.
1: And if you'd had any experience, practice doing that, or just imagining your particular judgment when in jesus's presence properly after you die and just going all this time practicing and now i can finally see the reality Mm. and just kicking off that relationship which is already there even more as opposed to you know someone new that you know
0: Mm. and and this is the way the carmelites talk about prayer is that you can reach, when we talk about the highest level of prayer, you know, I mentioned that with Theresa of that they would talk about getting to this point of like divine union, or, you know, there's different names for it, but you basically reach the point where it's almost like you're in heaven while on earth. Like I think it was Teresa of Avila talked about, it was as though she was looking at the beatific vision, like the, like the face of God, but there was like this thinnest little veil between her and the face of God. Like 24 hours a day. So it's like this is not just when she goes to the chapel. This would even be when she was asleep. You know, it was like her heart was so close to God that she was in that presence all the time. You know, there's a there's a poem by John of the Cross where he's basically crying out saying, Tear back the veil. <laughs> you know, he's he's almost mm. desperate to die because he's so close to heaven, but he knows he can't quite get there yet. Mm. And I just think I mean, that that's such a contrast to the way most Catholics feel about prayer, where they probably feel like they're sort of orphans writing letters to some distant parent who may or may not answer. Or their Saint, prayer is simply asking for stuff, you know, and then, yeah.
2: St. Paul writes something similar about desiring heaven, but knowing that his, his time isn't yet and he has a mission to fulfill, but just longing for mm, that.
0: Yeah, yeah, he says, for my sake, I want to go and be with God, but for your sake, I know I need to be here. And I don't know which one's better. <laughs> I think
2: as a, as a younger man, one of the most confronting prayers that I prayed, now, I don't know why I prayed it. We'll put the, it down to- The litany I,
1: of humility. No, that's great too.
2: No, no, I'm talking pre- <laughs> You
1: only pray that once.
2: Pre-meeting you. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I really was grappling with does God exist- Uh, what is prayer? Is the Eucharist real? You know, as a teenager, really grappling with big questions and at the time feeling like I didn't really have that many people to talk to, if anyone, about it. And for whatever reason, in in prayer one day, decided to pray the prayer, God, how are you? And actually contemplating on that question, and there was in that moment actually a flood of awareness of how God God would be with my actions, with those around me that that whole question of if Jesus was walking in amongst us today, but it just felt very real in that moment. It was a really confronting prayer to have prayed it 's very easy to put in an order as they were going to mcdonald 's. This is what I want mm. I think that, that was the first time I remember ever having prayed a prayer where it required me to essentially sit and listen or to contemplate the answer.
0: Mm. Yeah. And so, so when, when your prayer starts to really become relationship and and I think often when people talk about prayer as relationship, it's almost like that whole kind of buddy Jesus kind of idea of, you know, I, I come home and I tell Jesus how my day has been almost like an imaginary friend. But I think we're, we're talking about something deeper here where it's like, I'm prepared to lose myself in this relationship. You know, it, it's maybe the difference between just dating somebody or seriously pursuing marriage. You know, I think there's a lot of young people who date someone because it's good for them, you know, and they're lonely and they just need a friend. Mm. But there's that point when you think I'm actually going to marry this person and it's terrifying because you think I'm actually going to lose myself in this person. Mm. Everything changes. That's right. Just just got real. Yeah. My sense of my future, my social life, everything now is almost determined. Identity. Yeah. Identity. It gets lost in them.
1: Mission. Love's work. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the lippy of Marty.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, you know, but if, if you can get to that space with Jesus to say, you know, you're not just my imaginary friend, like this is actually real. And I give my whole life to you and I would give everything to know you.
2: Mm. I'm sure you've been asked a few times, Father Dave, from from people in your parish, how do you pray? Um I asked my parish priest again as a teenager. Uh, his answer was really helpful. Uh, it was very much in line with what I'm pretty sure was St. Catherine of Siena in giving thanks continually. He'd said to me, try and pray a hundred small prayers every day where he's giving thanks mm. for small things. And so in, in that way, he's conscious of God in, in every moment through continually giving thanks.
1: I've started doing that just sort of not strategically, just spontaneously. Like yesterday when I was riding to work, and made this dumb decision around um, traffic and thought I could turn right because the light's there and then realised if I do, like I'll be run over by three lanes of traffic. I don't know why I sort of thought that was a good idea at that moment, but stopped and pulled back over to the footpath and thought, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you that I have a brain.
2: <laughs> do, do you have a go-to answer, Father Dave?
0: In how do I, do I pray? I, yeah, or does that
2: depend on who the person is and what you know about them?
0: Yeah, it's a bit, it's probably a bit like asking Marty, how, how do you be married? <laughs> like, mm. how, how do you answer a question like that? You know, like. All right, one second, can, one second, one second. Hey, Marty, <laughs> Marty. No, it's you're okay. Sam? Go, go, go for the <laughs> <Dave. laughs> <laughs> But yeah, there, there, there is a, a sense and you're going to try and think what's this person's presumed knowledge or what's the background? Like, yeah. you know, you, you can try to explain the externals of that. Or you can try and explain what's the internal reality. Um, they don't necessarily match. You know, externally, I could say, how do I pray? Well, I have an hour in the chapel in adoration in the morning. I try and get a second hour of prayer later in the day and list off stuff.
1: But I think... I mean, but that's the mechanics. That's, that's the not... mechanics,
0: exactly. But to try and explain the inner workings of that, I think it's difficult. Mm. Which, which would be similar for Marty saying, how to
2: be, in answering the question, how do you be married? And yeah. Marty's saying well I uh I sleep in the same bed as my wife and um I I make up. her a coffee yep. uh and then I go to work and uh, oh, some, this. some of the money that I earn <laughs> some of the money that I earn she will spend and what do you mean some, some of the money
0: some of the <laughs> those the mechanics of what happens.
1: Mm. <laughs> yeah. But that and doesn't yet, really tell the whole story.
0: Well that's right. You know like if you if you if you look at how do married people communicate love to each other? So much can be communicated just by a glance, you know, like when well, so you don't like, have
1: to be shouting from other rooms,
0: <laughs> not necessarily, <laughs> you know, like a facial expression, you know, it's all those little things, but it's, it's that point where you have reached a level of vulnerability to get express yourself and yeah. you've got yeah. the ability to hear what they're saying, you know, and how they're expressing themselves. I think my experience in prayer would be like that. There's a lot of time when I'm not really consciously doing stuff and yet I know I'm I'm just in the presence of the one I love. You know, like they often say, you know, you can tell a good friendship if you can travel in a car for hours without saying anything, Mm. you know, but there's, there's, there's moments where throughout the day I just know I'm communicating where I'm at with God and trying to hear back from what God's saying. And I don't know, it's that that's unspoken communication. How do you, how do you put that into words? Mm.
1: We're, um, we're doing Exodus 90. I'm doing it the second time this year. And part of that, part of your commitment there is around prayer. We've got a, a verse from Exodus you need to read and a reflection. Then you're supposed to do a minimum of 20 minutes of silent prayer. And then I'll do a rosary later. But this 20 minutes of silent prayer, I'm really, really, really bad at it. <laughs> because like, while I'm reading is all right because I find that really engaging. And then my best intentions of kicking on for 20 minutes seems to last sometimes five and sometimes 10 before I'm just so distracted (laughs) thinking about all sorts of other things. Can you help me? You know how men are often
2: accused of being incapable of multitasking? (laughs) Yeah. That is utter rubbish because when it comes to prayer, we're brilliant at multitasking. (laughs) What we actually struggle to do is to be single task orientated. Mm. Yes. Focus on this alone. No, no, yeah. this this back. Mm.
0: I read a great book on this years ago. I think he's a Cistercian monk, maybe. Father William Menninger. Uh, maybe he's a Benedictine, I don't know. He was basically writing his own version of this classic book called The Cloud of Unknowing, which is one of the great mystical works. He, he described it in really simple language, which I love. He basically said, imagine you've got a house where there's a couple of old ladies living there. You know, they're, they're all these old sisters. The first sister lives at the front of the house in this room filled with windows. So she can see everything that goes past the house and she's called little miss intellect. And she's like so distracted by everything, constantly wanting to find anything that goes past the house, invited in for a cup of tea, find out everything about it. But then occasionally when she finds something really interesting she'll introduce that person to her other sister, which is which he calls Little Miss Will. Now, the Will is blind, and so she lives in another room with no windows. So she can't see anything, but she can just love. That's what the Will does. And so the intellect will introduce something to the Will for the Will to love. But the problem is that because the intellect is so constantly hyperactive and distracted, she won't leave her sister alone to talk to this new person she'll keep bursting into the room saying oh look i saw a bird oh look at this there's a thing and (laughs) thing yeah (laughs) and so he sort of describes that as being the battle of prayer because it's your intellect which grasps the concept of god and introduces it to your heart but then your intellect won't leave your heart alone to just love god Mm. but then gradually he goes on to explain the other two sisters are basically the memory and the imagination um, and so the memory lives downstairs with all these old film reels and photographs and constantly wants to come up and tell talk about the whole day she had 15 years ago whereas the imagination also has all of these old photographs and f- film reels but keeps splicing them together into something new and imaginative you know and so comes up and creates a whole new video to watch and so he talks about how a, a huge part of growing in prayer is learning the art of self-discipline mm. if you can learn how to keep the intellect occupied in a way that then allows your heart to love. And so this is where it comes back to the Mm. rosary. So the rosary would classify as one of these prayers, which are repetitive and basically designed to sort of keep the intellect occupied long enough so that your heart can love Mm. and enter into the mystery. Uh, And there's a whole other tradition called centering prayer, where you basically would take a, a line, mercy, or, or like the, like the word father, and just by repeating that word over and over again, you're keeping the intellect occupied long enough to then enter into a space of real love for the mystery or for the, you know for the God who is mercy or the God who is father. Mm. Yeah, so so that that's some of the techniques or methods of prayer which can help. So that's that
1: Eastern Orthodox and Eastern Catholic the the Jesus, Jesus prayer. prayer and the the chakra beads which can have any length because only, like if I try and say, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy, mercy on, me, on me, a sinner. Yeah. yeah. And, and like as you breathe and you breathe, go? you breathe in, Jesus, uh, Son of God, and breathe out, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it sort of turns into just Jesus, mercy, Jesus, mercy, as you breathe and you yeah. just through the beads, not like a rosary is in five decades a day, but you might do 20 laps or something just to try and teach yourself to breathe. Mm. Jesus have mercy on me. That's um, right.
2: <laughs> Thanks for actually telling me that. I met a an Orthodox priest at the airport. We had a really good chat and he gave me some of those. They're actually made of twine, yeah. just knotted beads on them. I've got it up in my bedroom. But oh, now I, you know how to use them. Now I know what they are. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, Father William Manager. I looked him up, he's a Trappist monk.
0: Trappist. There you go. And while we're talking about books, if you want to read a really good book about the Jesus Prayer, there's a classic book called The Way of the Pilgrim. Basically, it's a story of a guy walking through Russia and the Ukraine, just praying the Jesus Prayer and all of his various encounters along the, along the way.
1: Oh, look, Sam, if you had done that when you were walking through Russia and the Ukraine, is that I don't even know how to end that. Could have been better or worse or something. I don't know. Is
2: that is that all he did? <laughs>
0: Read the book, you'll find out the rest. I, I don't want to spoil the ending. I did, I did think today, actually,
2: whilst spraying gorse, dodging snakes and praying a rosary, that what we... we, we should, should do, write a book. We, no, we should do a podcast on really helpful
1: books. Mm. Mm. Add it to the list. All <laughs> <laughs> right, um, so... Excellent. Terms- so when it went...
2: Oh, hang on a second. Hang on. Hold that thought, Marty. You got it? Got it. In terms of helpful books for contemplation, well, yeah, that, I'm going to throw one out there, which was uh, The Simple Path, St. Therese of Lisieux, which mm. was fairly revolutionary for me to read that.
0: I suppose one of the big things is you've got to find a book that matches where you're currently on the journey. Yeah. There's a real danger that people go for the big guns, in a sense. Jessedon. <laughs> read three pages, go back, start again. What? <laughs> it's because each sentence goes for, like, three pages. <laughs> <laughs> Often when people really want to go deep into contemplation, they go straight for John of the cross and they start with the dark night of the soul. And that's the worst place to begin. <laughs> you know, so yeah. you say you want to try and pick something, which is going to help you where you're at. If by chance you do want to read something about John of the cross, oh, I've just gone blank now. What's the name of the book? Ian Matthews is the author and the book is called,
3: ah,
2: all right, I'm looking it up. I'll look it up. I'll feed it to you, and you can say it again, and Marty can cut it in.
1: <laughs> or I could just leave it all as it is.
0: <laughs> we need uh, some thinking music while we Google stuff in the background. Oh, I can <laughs> add that later. No worries. Do,
3: do, 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 do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've got one um, here
2: called Through Through My Eyes. No, nah, I don't, that's I don't think idea. that's him. Sorry. I think I might have a winner here. Buddhist tourism in Asia—is that it? <laughs> no, fail.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Impact of God. So, if anyone wants to read more about John of the Cross, there's a really good book by a Carmelite called Ian Matthews called The Impact of God.
2: I was so close.
0: <laughs> he explains the the whole journey of prayer by starting at the end. I think, you know, so he he starts with what's actually the end goal of prayer and then works his way backwards. Mm. Yeah, good book.
1: That is a good way to
2: plan. I'm going out on a limb here. I actually don't know of a particular book by St. Francis de Sales, but I have for some reason a sense that there'd be something amazing from St.
0: Francis de Sales on contemplation. Sure. Introduction to the Devout Life. That's probably a really good starting point. Okay. That was one of the first books... Spiritual books specifically written for lay people, and he actually gives a pretty good intro to, well, how to live a holy life, but also do contemplation.
1: Beautiful, yeah, right.
0: Yeah, so I look that up myself.
1: Having got uh, having got those books out of the way, we're going to say I do find it easier to pray in adoration than not in adoration. Going in the church with the blessed sacrament exposed, maybe part of that's natural. Your senses. Have something to interact with, being in a sacred place, and well, even more so, con- and that kind of thing,
2: contemplation post Eucharist in the same mm. way—a very easy place to
1: pray. Yeah, and contemplate. well, I was going to say partly, probably some natural things to help you, and also the supernatural presence of Jesus physically. I guess that's a one-two, you know, mm. deal. Mm. But like I said before, to sit down quietly for twenty minutes and trying not to think about things I find virtually impossible. Well, it's
2: a little bit like it's, it's easier to contemplate your wife when you are sitting down having dinner together than mm. it is mm. when you're at work doing engineering designs and budgeting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mm. If I add $1 million to $2 million, I've got $3 million. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I often think that for young people, they need to realise like there's almost like a real urgency to learn how to pray. I sometimes think in the ideal world, every single person should have the aim to already be quite experienced at meditation before they get married. Because at that point, Mm. your life is going to get so busy that you're not going to be able to get to adoration. You're never going to get a moment's peace. Mm. But if you've actually learned how to pray, you can pray in the midst of the busyness. And you can actually start to meditate while you're caring for your child. You know, something like that becomes a meditation on the incarnation. You know, as you're changing dirty nappies and thinking, hang on, the son of God was like this once. Mm. But, but there's a bit of background work needed to be done to get to that space. Otherwise, you're just going to be waiting until you're retired.
1: Yeah. Mm. My little one, my nine-year-old girl, the other night, I asked her, do you want to play cards or do you want to go to adoration? And she had to think about it and said, I want to go to adoration. I was really impressed. So we drove <laughs> down to the church and uh, sat in the back, whispered our prayers to each other so no one else could hear us, and, um, <laughs> and then had to get home so she could go to bed on time.
0: It was <laughs> That's glorious. <great. laughs> That's so good. Well done, Dad. <laughs> Thanks,
1: Ben. Ever <laughs> this for an idea? I've just been reading Peter Crafe's Jesus Shock, mm. and there's an idea in the back of that where he says the incarnation, Jesus' incarnation is an act of war. The institution of the Eucharist is an act of war jesus coming to take over the hearts in the world the same day that i read that there was a piece out of the exodus reflections that talked about the trumpet call in exodus and saying the trumpet the blare of trumpets comes in two forms in in the bible basically the call to prayer and the call to battle and it's no accident that it has the same call to both and and this idea of doing something which is fundamentally looks really boring of sitting down to pray, is is really powerful. And sticking it out, it's like if you're in the army and you're told to hold your line. This is sort of how you do it in the in the Christian battle. It doesn't feel you know necessarily tough and glorious and strong, but that's what these little decisions mean.
0: Mm. I think yeah, link it back to what we were saying previous episode about the spiritual warfare i think this is actually where a big chunk of that spiritual warfare is fought in that the enemy does not want you to encounter the love of god mm-hmm. and he's going to do everything he can to pull you away from prayer i often talk to people about how you know you can go through the day with no distractions at all but as soon as you try to open the bible to read the scriptures all hell will break loose and there'll be every possible distraction coming to stop you to get, get to the word. Mm. There's a great story. I think it was from one of the early Benedictines where this young monk was always struggling. Like he could never sit longer than a few minutes in the chapel and always restless. It was either Benedict or one of the other monks actually saw what was happening spiritually, that there was this demon behind him, scratching him and poking him and irritating him so that he would always be you know, scratching himself or couldn't sit down long enough. As soon as he revealed this to this young monk, the monk realized, hang on, that's actually my battle. Like I need to, I've got to fight to stay in this space with God. Mm. And there's suddenly
2: suddenly purpose in that. Yeah. Rather than it just being something random that's happening off to the side you're not even conscious of.
0: Yeah. And even in terms of that, you know, sense of praying for the world. Like I I know a lot of people say they don't feel they can just sit in silence because there's too much to pray for. Therese Lezure had that issue. She basically said, you know, she had such a long list of people to pray for that it would take her an hour just to list off the intentions. And then she'd have no space for actually loving Jesus. There's a point in her autobiography where she says, look, Jesus, you know what I'm praying for. I know what I'm praying for. And so I'm just going to sit here and love you. And it's going to be like a river of love flowing from my heart to yours and from your heart to mine. And all these intentions are just going to get caught in that river of love. And so she became this amazing intercessor and spiritual warrior, and yet, really, all she was doing was just letting herself be loved.
1: I mm. love well, that sometimes, like especially with intentions. Occasionally, I bring myself to that point to say, "Lord, you you know what I want to pray for," and and, and just get on with being loved, really. Mm. And then the next day, I forget that and get back to my legalistic view of I need to say you know, the right words at the right time in order to uh, be heard.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, if if I can go back to what is meditation, I think a big chunk of this is about meditating on how you have been loved.
3: Yes. I think a lot of
0: people feel like they've got to be doing something in prayer. They've got to be telling God how great God is. And and then they get bored in prayer because it's not feeding them. Or the, the biggest risk is people say, well, I don't feel loved by God in prayer. So obviously God's not doing anything. But if you think of how love works, you know, love can only be communicated symbolically. Like no one's actually ever seen love. You don't know what color it is or what shape it is, Mm. but someone gives you chocolates or they give you an embrace or something, or they smile at you symbolically, you know what that means and you then either choose to receive it or not receive it. Mm. You know? So a lot of people are blind to the love they're receiving every day because they're not actually looking at the symbols,
2: or well, you we all yeah. were, as, as children, as infants, you are completely oblivious to the love that's around you. In fact, it's more one of need. Mm. And then there's a, that progression. And it's not that you get to 18 years of age or 21 years of age and all of a sudden you are aware of all the love around you. It's, there's a genuine progression. And mm. some some reach that acknowledgement well before death and others don't.
0: Yeah. But, like, if you, if you think about even the the simplest things that happen during a day, you know, someone opens a door for you. Hmm. Okay. So that's symbolic of something. So what are they saying? Well, they're actually saying, you know, I value you, you know, I respect you, you know, you have dignity, whether you can consciously receive that message. That's the point where you're actually going to feel loved. Whereas if you don't see it and you don't understand what they're saying and you don't receive it, you're not going to feel anything, you know? So, I think that there's a a real need to learn how to receive love in the everyday, in in our normal human relationships Mm. by actually meditating on love. There's
2: a great spiritual practice within the church that we haven't mentioned yet, which is the examine at the end of the day, Mm. to look back over our day and to recall the, the blessings, God's presence, the graces of that day, and to give thanks. And there is also the side of it where we are apologizing to God for the moments where we have mm. not been uh, placing ourselves in the presence of God. But it's a very strong part of it is, is the examine of our day before we head off to sleep and giving thanks to God for what has been that day. We're contemplating God mm. during our day.
0: Yeah. And ideally, you're learning a habit of how to receive love. Mm-hmm. If you, if you come back to that four-step process, like you've got to see the symbol, you've got to understand that what it's communicating, you've got to receive it. That's the trouble point because there's often such a big barrier inside of us of rejection and hurt and lack of trust mm-hmm. that we don't want to receive it. You know, And so even if, even if we see it, it just bounces off us. And I think particularly with God, God is loving you every moment of the day. And even if you sort of intellectually acknowledge it, it doesn't penetrate to your heart because you don't trust or you feel rejected or whatever. And so a big part of meditation is actually about inner healing. Like you, you need to allow these acts of love to start to break through the false beliefs. You know, so, so when another person is communicating to you, you're valuable, that has to break down the bit in you that says I'm rubbish. Mm. You know, or when when you see God revealing no, His not. love, you know God, God's revealing His love that you know He delights in you. Mm. That has to break down that barrier of your own rejection.
1: It's really challenging, isn't it? Most of us, probably all of us, if you spend enough time looking inside, you go, "I don't really like me that much. I can tolerate me, but you know, it's easier to see the ugliness than the than the beauty." Mm. and that's not how that's not how god the father sees jesus and it's not how god the father sees jesus in us you know it's the other way around he Mm. sees he sees the beauty first and then i mean i'm sure he's aware of the ugliness but he's got a plan to fix that as opposed to the way we i think we see ourselves which is in natural terms after the fall you know the opposite of the way god sees us Mm. Tainted, tainted tainted love
0: Hmm. And I, I, I always find that really challenging because basically th- those those false beliefs are the voice of the enemy. Hmm. You know, who's trying to say you're ugly, you're stupid, you're rubbish, you're no good. Hmm. You know, when, when Jesus in John's gospel says, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep listen to my voice, they don't listen to the voice of the enemy. I'm like, well, hang on. Most hmm. of the time, I'm not actually listening to the voice of the shepherd. I spend most of my time listening to the other voice. And so I think coming back to prayer, prayer is about learning to listen to the voice of the shepherd. What's he saying to you? What's he saying about who you are and what your identity is?
2: And putting into practice the litany of humility.
0: Actually, a nice, if you haven't
2: ever, for the listeners, if you haven't ever seen the litany of humility, not a bad thing to to grab it, but then in prayer to change it, change the wording to be applicable to what it is that you can identify that uh, is actually... Poking us, scratching us, irritating us—that
1: we can offer mm. to God. So, can I, um, can I tell a uh, an anecdote story? I was—I was cleaning my pool. I don't know a year ago or something, and I was pouring chlorine into another container to put in the pool. And I was kneeling, or oh, not, sort of crouching down next to it. And this really random drip wasn't drip because it splashed of chlorine jumps out of this bucket, and I could drop, see, i could see drop. it. It, but it dropped upwards, you know, as you're pouring it. It, so it up, <laughs> It went up, and I could see it. It went up, and I could see it getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Thinking, and I mean, it happens really quickly, but you sort of think it's like in slow motion. And landed right in my eye, right in one of my eyes, and it terrified me because it's. So it wasn't chlorine. It was acid. It was hydrochloric acid, right? <laughs> oh, that's go, a little, oh, a little sorry. worse. Sorry, let me get this. Let me get my memory straight. It was acid, and. So, this acid drips straight into my eye, and Sorry, you, from, you dropped acid, I dropped acid in my eye right <laughs> and and which which like i 'm not a chemist, but i I know that's not good for me right yep. <laughs> and it terrified me I was, for, for this moment, and time slows down and and I was so scared like i assume i 'm going to go blind, and the first thing that came out of my my mouth or my mind was, Jesus, you need to help me. And then I, I looked to my left and saw this enormous expanse of water, the pool that I was <laughs> trying to clean, and just jumped straight in. And like I would have been in there a second later and it washed it all out and there was no damage or anything, which was really good. But when I look back on that situation, it's not the fact that I could wash my eye out is what I was happy about. What I was happy about was I was really in trouble and my heart just leapt out to jesus straight away and i was so
2: there's so there's a joy in that that realization well, I was really that, encouraged in that,
1: that that's like where i went automatically
2: the mm. knee the knee jerk reaction
1: yeah mm.
2: which which is something that would have to be trained in a sense that that's not going to necessarily be everyone's knee jerk reaction could be
1: well that's part of the whole point of prayer and relationship with jesus and and adoration is is ultimately you you'll be standing in front of jesus as the judge are you going to be looking at your brother that you know really well or or are you going to be looking at a stranger
2: Mm. well gentlemen i have received a message from a soon-to-be catholic named l and l asks any idea on when i can expect a new episode of the
1: podcast well as soon as you put one up sam there's two well
2: (laughs) well, to l and to marty you can wait
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll keep editing them and stacking them up in your inbox. All right.
2: Yeah. I'll. Uh, I'll sorry, L, that you've been kept waiting. There has been a bit of a, a gap between uh, the last series and this series. Uh, but they, the first of this series will go up very soon. This is, a, what are we, number three or four in this one? I haven't put any of them up at this stage by the time this we are you know, recording four this.
1: in this series, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I better start. Blame, blame coronavirus.
2: <laughs> Why not? Uh, I, oh, I'm going to blame your premier.
1: Yeah, well, yep.
2: Yep. He, he um. Yep. Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so if anyone doesn't know, Sam flew over here for a, uh, for a speaking engagement that he and I were doing, got to, got to WA on a, like on the green time. And while he was on the plane, the borders got closed. And he got to Perth and then stayed for two days in hotel quarantine and then had to go home because he couldn't get out.
2: And our first talk, Marty and I did via Zoom. Well, Marty was there in person and I was on the screen behind him doing rabbit ears. <laughs> but I was doing it from a hotel in Perth. So I go, sorry, I can't be with you. I'm not too far away in a hotel. Here's my beautiful view. Yeah. And then to rub salt into the wound, when I got back home, I got a message from your government saying, oh, we've lifted the ban. You can go to work now. Oh, yeah. Yay. I didn't contemplate that for long. Offer it up. <laughs> yep. It went well. I actually enjoyed it, Marty.
1: Yeah, I thought it was great. a good scramble and, um, yeah, worked well.
2: Yeah, it's great. Uh, would you like to – do anyone else got anything to add or shall we close in prayer?
1: Can was L – was that just an, a letter L or was it like E-L-L-E? Is it a real – It's a real it name. A, E-L-L-E. E. All right, it wasn't just a pseudonym, you know, like – no no and i
2: think in the last episode you mentioned a comment that had been left by someone yeah i think that's her awesome. so it's possible she's got to mention i've actually never met her but it's possible she's got to mention in two podcasts in a row you better put put another one up then L, we're praying for you don't know who you are but we're praying for you let's pray in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen well jesus thank you so much for the gift of silence with you, of spending time in your love, your compassion, your mercy. We thank you, Lord God, for the the joy that we have as a result of knowing you. We pray, Lord, for an increase in trust, that we may follow you in all things and in all ways. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Saint Therese of Lisieux, pray for us. Pray, pray for, for us.
0: us. And Lord, we ask you to your blessing upon us and all those who are listening. Blessing of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Our Lady, help of Christians, pray for, pray, pray for us. Pray for us. We can just do some contemplation now. Doesn't really come across on, you know, audio very well. Shh. <laughs> No wonder you sit at
2: the back and talk to your nine-year-old.